For your next embroidery or screen print project, call the lettering machine. Whether you have a big project for an upcoming event or looking for just a single personalized gift, the girls at the Letter Machine have you covered. And even if you don't want something personalized, they have a great selection of local and seasonal apparel ready to go in their shop. Do you really want to show your support for a local business? Visit their website at thelettermachine.com. They have dozens of web stores featuring apparel from all your favorite Kenosha businesses and even local legends. Grab a Corey Elijah shirt for your mom this Christmas. She will love it. Family owned and operated for 33 years in downtown Kenosha, Dave and Tina Chapman have been running the letter machines since 2002. The Letter Machine is located in downtown Kenosha at 725 50th Street. Let them know K-Town Connect sent ya. Bird of Paradox Studios is a unique two-in-one business created by husband and wife team Josh and Sam Vaughn. With her amazing photography skills, Sam will help capture those special moments as a treasure for a lifetime. Engagement photos, weddings, parties, or just pics of the kids, the family, the dog, Sam will create an unforgettable package for you. After many years of honing his craft, Josh has become a specialist in realistic portrait tattoo art. You will be blown away when you see some of his work. Bird of Paradox is a private studio allowing direct focus on the client. Visit their website at birdofparadoxstudios.com to see wonderful examples of their work. Be sure to like them on Facebook and drop them a message for your next photo or tattoo needs. In the early morning hours of Saturday, August 29th, the city of Kenosha were licking their wounds after days of civil unrest. After a few beers, I decided to take a walk with my dog and we journeyed over to Civic Center Park, the location of numerous protests going back to the George Floyd murder in May. When I arrived, I was greeted by two gentlemen at the park, two of the very few who remained at about 2 a.m. As we talked about everything that was going on, I decided to go live on the K-Town Connect's Facebook page. The first man I spoke to is here with us to continue our conversation. Today on K-Town Connects, we sit down with social activist Barnell Patterson. All right, cue that theme music. Hey, welcome to K-Town Connects. I'm your host, Jason. With me is... Hey, it's Donnie here. What's up, Jason? Okay, that's all I wanted. Just your name. Great intro. <laughs> hey, thanks. I wrote it after a few mojitos. Ooh, taken after me. Yeah. I'm, okay. <laughs> but we are K-Town Connects. You can find us at ktownconnects.com. Drop us an email at ktownconnects at yahoo.com. Make sure you like us on all those social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and leave us a review. It would be great. We'd like that. Yeah, we need those reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah. Give us a five-star Do they do rating. reviews on Spotify? I'm sure you can do them somewhere on Spotify. I'm not sure. But drop us those reviews. It brings us up in the old hey. Google search. And tell your friends to listen into our mm-hmm. show. Darn it. And my big thing, share our posts. Oh, yeah. Donnie loves it when you share our posts. <laughs> Where are we at tonight, Donnie? Uh, right now we are recording at Luigi's Pizza Kitchen, located at 7531 39th Avenue. Cue that new catchphrase. Order those pizza pies today, Tuesday through Sunday. Give them a call at 262-694-6565. 
or order online and check out their menu at luigispizzakitchen.com. You can order online now? Oh, of course you can. Wow, that's fancy. Easy peasy. I know this place was that fancy. Easy peasy pizza pie. They have a computer here? They have, um, I think it's some kind of tablet. Oh, hey, all right. Mm-hmm. Cool. We also like to thank Bluehorn Digital. If you have a business out there with a web page and you want to increase traffic to that, call Matt Glayman at Bluehorn Digital. He is a lifelong Kenoshan, and he knows Kenosha business and will help you get that traffic you need. Hey, we don't want to forget about our good friends at the Bird of Paradox studio. Tattoo artist Josh Vaughn and his beautiful wife Samantha Vaughn, who does photography there. Uh, give him a call. Get a tattoo. Get your photos taken for the holidays. Uh, give him a call. 262-515-4665. Or stop on by if they're there. They're by appointment only, so you might be able to catch them at 723 50th Street. And we need to get down to Lulu Birds. Mm-hmm. They just recently mm-hmm. expanded. They are now twice the size they used to be, taking over the old public brewery spot. They are located at 720 58th Street. And they're full of unique and fun home decor, furniture, jewelry, and more. Stop on down for all your gifts this holiday season. And the Letter Machine, located at 725 50th Street. They can customize almost anything. Gifts, masks, uniforms, school apparel, office attire, accessories, you name it. Also, check out their online novelty shop at thelettermachine.com. And we don't want to forget about Coming Up Roses Cleaning. Uh, They are a fully insured cleaning company. Uh, They will keep your home or office clean with no judgment or hassle. They are a locally owned business and are fighting the good battle to support local. Give them an email at comingupposescleaningkino at gmail.com. Give them a call at 262-748-6978. Tell them K-Town Connect sent you. Well, thank you to all our wonderful <laughs> sponsors here on K-Town Connect. That's a lot. We couldn't do it without you. That's we great. appreciate the support and everybody shop local. Yes, shop local this holiday season. So today we're talking to Varnell Patterson. Thanks so much for coming in, Varnell. Thank you for having me. Yeah, hey, it's Varnell, great. Hey, Varnell, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, we uh, kind of ran into each other at that park that late that night. That was pretty cool. And we started talking for a while. I decided, you know what, I'm going to post this on our on our Facebook and spread the word and kind of get our conversation out there. And I'm glad you came back in. I think we all can use some conversation, right? Yes, we can. Yeah, yeah. You weren't born in Kenosha, but you spent, you've spent been here for a long time. Yeah. I've, Tell us I've, when you came to I've been here. Uh, I've been here since my um, adolescent years, maybe okay. about four or five years old. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Okay, and you went to the local schools. Which schools did you go to? Yes, I went to, uh, I attended Head Start here, Frank Elementary, Bang Elementary, Washington Junior High, and Bradford. Bradford, cool. Me too, Bradford. Oh, you're both Red Devils. Yeah. So uh, what were some of your hangouts when you were a kid in Kenosha? What were some of the things you liked to do around town? The CYC. Yeah? The CYC. When I discovered the CYC, that was uh, like my second home growing up. Uh, Open gym there sleepovers being involved with the people that uh worked there and took us places as kids and arcades like most kids in the 80s yeah i grew (laughs) up uh like in arcades market square yeah that was that was great i I always played the terminator game that they had there and then they had that uh ninja turtles game where four people that was the best game man (laughs) or the wwf oh uh, yeah oh oh, i'm a big wrestling wrestling fan i'm a big wrestling fan yeah that was a good one what was that, the Royal Rumble arcade game yep. or something like that? That was good. Yeah, that was, and uh, the movies that were yeah. that was there. So it was so cool having the movies and the arcade right next to each other. You can make a good day of it. Mike's Mike's Gray Skate. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, I forgot about that place. When I was a kid, it was Reds. It was Reds, yeah. yeah. Before, and it changed the mics, yeah. I always good. hated going there because I could never, ever learn how to roller skate. There'd be always so many parties there, and I would go there, and I would hang on the wall and go around <laughs> the, the rink. of. The, I was the laughing stock of the whole place. <laughs> Well, you, Varnell, were you a good roller skater? Yeah, I was pretty good at yeah. roller skating. Uh, I remember having uh, 24-hour sleepovers there. Oh, yeah. We used yeah. to have them on uh, New Year's. So I remember we just, we uh, skate till we get blisters. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you look up to as a kid? Who inspired you? I, I had an uncle, a great uncle, who was my grandmother's uh, brother, who actually raised three generations of my uh, family members, uh, my my mother, uh, me, and uh, our kids. So he he was the one who taught me how to count, who taught me uh, education before I actually went into a classroom, which gave me uh, a little push. Yeah, my grandmother. Also, she uh, always allowed me to watch uh, things like Sesame Street. I love Sesame Street. <laughs> things that uh, taught me and educate me. Yeah. So, yeah. In my in my household, education was key. Teachers were always right, no yeah. matter no matter what. So my mother my mother was raised in Chicago, in between Chicago and Greenville, Mississippi. Mm. So um, a lot of my uh, family members dropped out of school at a at a young age. Actually, my generation is the generation where we started to really graduate high school. And so it was major for when me and my cousins started to graduate high school and started to push our education further. What made you first get involved with the social activism? It, it first happened to me at a at a young age. The first thing I ever spoke out about was um, some uh, housing crisis that we had going on. Maybe when I was about 17, mm-hmm. one of the women who was in control of housing, Kathy Marks, who, oh, uh, yeah. who's still here in Kenosha, yeah. uh, was a was a friend of my family. We were friend, friends with her kids and she was really, really good to my mother and my siblings. So some of us uh, kids that were in the neighborhood that were, you know, lived in a housing program, we spoke out about the benefit of us being able to afford the places we live because I think the funding, they were getting ready to lose the uh, funding. So we spoke out about what we would lose if we weren't able to afford the places that we live yeah yeah Catherine Mark she's a very nice lady I, a beautiful lady yeah I interviewed her a couple months ago um and she's she's wonderful she's a wonderful human being she does a lot of good stuff for the city of Kenosha yeah she treated she treated uh me and my brothers like I mean like family her mm-hmm. her uh son Brian was pretty good friends with me still to this day she's got a good sense guy. of humor too on yeah her. <laughs> she's funny she's mm-hmm. funny during that time also I had I was aware of 21st century vote that's what they had going on in Chicago also in my uh, teenage years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that, that really, really done it for me, I think it was uh, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, one of the kids that lost their lives a few years back. Just the Mike, building, Mike building Brown. Up. Yeah, it was the building and building up. And I think the situation that happened here in Kenosha for me was... 
it was the tipping point. It was the, and not not only that, but I'm also uh, I speak out a lot about other victims of uh, Kenosha police. Uh, Deck Tree Span, who was my best friend, who was murdered uh, by the Kenosha police in the early 2000s. So what was uh, his name again? Deck Tree Span. Okay. Bobby Sherrard was somebody who I knew who was walking down the street with his kids when he was uh, murdered here in mm. Kenosha. Michael Bell, mm. Aaron Seiler, who are white guys, you know, so I speak about black and white guys when I protest. So it's something in me. I believe that it needs to be told that someone needs to speak up or stand up because those families never receive justice for their loved ones. A lot of us in the neighborhood fear retribution. We got to talk about Jacob Blake. What's your take on the Jacob Blake shooting? Let me, um, just for the record, let people know that my thoughts and, our, and opinions are my own. Mm-hmm. They don't reflect the uh, thoughts and the opinions of the Blake family. Okay. I don't speak for the, the family of uh, Mr. Blake. I'm speaking from my own opinions and yeah. as a as a, a black man living in Kenosha. Yeah. So I, I speak um from my from my own views, but uh hmm, whatever the situation that was going on there prior to the shooting, first it didn't require a gun. Yeah. I don't think the offenses were serious enough where I don't think anywhere they're said that he was armed and dangerous mm-hmm. where uh, a gun should have been drawn. But in that in that situation, we saw what happened. Yeah, there was no no need for that. It shouldn't have got to that level. The police should have just took care of business before no. anybody got seriously Very hurt. unprofessional. You know, one of my demands is that they fire uh, Rustin Shesky. And, you know, um, I don't think that he should be placed on administrative leave and We're the taxpayers yep. still should have to pay him. Yeah. I think that's wrong to the taxpayers to uh, pay someone who's not working at all. I also believe that the knife theory. Yeah. It's like we heard it before. It's the same thing they said um, when Aaron Seiler got shot mm-hmm. behind Johnny Midnight's over there. He had a knife, and it just sounded like a familiar theme. My thing from what I saw in the video is if he had a knife, why hold on to him? I, w- I would jump back if I saw someone, you know. Yeah, a knife. I wouldn't hold on to a shirt. Yeah, just yeah, just stand back and you know, I don't know. It's insane. But and then what bugged me the most that whole week is why, if there was a knife there at the scene, why wasn't that information released right away? Yeah. To say that you know that probably would have calmed some people down. Probably saved at least a billion or two in Kenosha, if possibly that was released. Uh, It just seems kind of shady, man. I also believe that the officers that were there should also be fired. And it's hard, you know, as a man to ask for a woman to lose her job. But I think she failed. She drew her weapon yeah. on the mother and uh, threatened to shoot the mother, you know. Hmm. So, and, you know, I, I, I worry about that. Because what do we do? What do we do? Do we let those people back in the community to police our children after everything that happened here in Kenosha? 
Like, do we feel safe? Yeah. Like, letting those people back on the force after that? I wouldn't feel safe. A lot of talk about defund the police. What does that mean to you? What defund the police, what it means to me is to take some of that money away, you know, that we that we give to these police programs to help them resemble a military and put it into put it into some of these programs, some of these social programs, put it into a a breakfast club or put it into educational or put it into like the old safety center. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, where Officer Larry used to be there, where yeah. the kids could actually learn some things about, that. Yeah. you know, safety and fire safety. And I think what, what you get from that is you get, um, building in a community. Yeah. With, with officers in a community starting with the children. Because these days, the children see what we see. Yeah. The children are afraid, but when people say defund the police, that don't mean um, it sounds bad. Disband, right. it should be disband, dissolve, dissolve the yeah. police. Yeah. No, that means right. just some of the money that you know that taxpayers give to to police departments for you know some of this high tech equipment that they use. Take some of that money yeah. and put it in, you know, feed the homeless people mm-hmm. and take that money and help out uh, the veterans or, you know, just allocate that money elsewhere. I mean, they should be getting evaluated every four to six months. I mean, keep, keep these people. Uh, I mean, you can go to hair school longer than when you go to, to be a cop. You can go be a beautician faster than you can to be a cop. I mean, that that's crazy. We need more training for these police officers. I think it should be more trained, more maintained, and then paid better if, as long as they're, you know, doing the thing right. Yeah, you maintain every four months, you get a checkup or... or, or mental evaluation, it, too, like once a year. Definitely, yeah. I think the mental uh, evaluations are something major that need to be um, done in a police department. Also, uh, diversity training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, you know, I think they need to do a lot more diversity training, even if that means uh, hiring more uh, minorities in a department to where they got to partner up yeah. with, uh, you know, you have a, a black cop, white cop, or a Hispanic cop, mm-hmm. black cop, whatever. Are we you talking know, lethal just, weapon? Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> like Sanford and something. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so you spent a lot of nights out there on the streets protesting. How has your personal experiences been with the uh, Kenosha Police Department? In my lifetime or during the protest? Well, I guess kind of both, I suppose. I mean, in my lifetime, I've had uh, I had some run-ins with uh, Kenosha police. Um, I've I've been uh, a victim of police brutality wow. from uh, Kenosha uh, police. Uh, I've been uh, racial profiled. Uh, I've been uh, illegally searched mm-hmm. numerous times. Uh, so not so good then, huh? Not so good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But but you know, it'd be unfair. I, it'd be unfair if I, you know, painted that picture without talking about having some fear officers that I encountered. You know, I was an athlete uh, growing up. I was a basketball standout, done some boxing, and cool. you know, played sports. So 
some of those some of those uh police officers and detectives i play sports with their kids so for you know all of them wasn't like that but there were a few bad apples um that that i don't believe that should be in the department now yeah and yet those same ones are the the gang squad uh sergeants Mm -hmm. the um burglary department uh sergeants so some of those same officers that practice those tactics are the powers that be now. What's your take on Sheriff David Beth? I believe that Sheriff David Beth should resign from his position. I was um, in jail with one of those kids that he had made those comments about yeah. a couple years back that had uh, was involved in that stuff out at the outlet. Mm-hmm. And that kid had never been in trouble before. <laughs> he didn't fit the mold of a stereotypical criminal. Yeah. He was just, he was just a kid, 17 years Kind of like old. you and me when we were kids, mess, was, messing up, making wrong choices. He, and Yeah, he was, he was still a kid, still in high school. He cried. Um, he loved his parents. Mm. You know, he was, he was just he was a kid that made a mistake. Yeah. And I don't think that those kids should have been warehoused for the rest of their lives and unable to uh produce i think i think what he said is was pretty harsh yeah for sure i believe that he he failed his duty so being a leader Mm -hmm. also means that you have to step down from a position when you're unable to fulfill your position because then you're neglecting the people that you serve. Yeah. And I also believe that he don't understands that he serves all of Kenosha County. Yeah. All of not us. just west of I-94. Mm-hmm. I also believe the way that he handled the protest with the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing. There's a thing going around saying that the sheriff were the ones who took him to Antioch and it wasn't mm-hmm. his mother. Hmm, If if that's the if that's the case, you know, we need to know that because there was another shooting in Kenosha two weeks prior to that. The Jonathan Massey shooting where it was an officer involved shooting and all of his family members, females, they were all put in jail with fifty thousand dollar bonds for aiding, harboring and abiding. So if that happened to his family members who are mothers than whoever. If it wasn't his mother that took him home and if it was law enforcement that took him home. And we that you know, we need some transparency in knowing that and I don't think they've been transparent with us. Mm. And how he handled it, I went to jail after the first uh interview that I done with you directly oh. after the interview yeah. ended. So what happened that night? Because it was late. It was about 2 a.m. or so. We talked for a while before that. Then I went live. We talked for a while after that, too. And then I kind of wandered off. And then what happened then? As soon as we ended and after we cleaned up the park, as we was getting in our car, we would jump out um, by the the police. They were very aggressive in the manner that they handled us. They took us in a... They took us in a sally port. It almost it almost felt like being taken to a black site, you know, somewhere. It was it's it didn't seem like going to the Kenosha County Jail. 
It okay. felt like being taken to a military camp, Ooh, a military wow. prison. What did they arrest you for? We was arrested for um, curfew. For curfew. Oh. Yeah, for for for. I curfew. was out there after curfew too. Yeah, we was arrested. Just for not curfew. a ticket. You got arrested for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and um, we were we were um, we were handcuffed in a sally port. What's a sally port? What's this? Uh? It's a garage basically where oh. the where the police where they pull in to bring oh, okay. you into right. the jail. Okay. And usually you don't get chained into the sally port you get brought into the jail and placed in a holding cell yeah but this night it was different because they had people they're full maybe i don't know i understand it but it was it was kind of cruel to have one arm to be chained with one arm up like this And it was maybe for about five, six hours wow. that we were chained like this. For so I don't know who with your, can... With your hand up in the air. Yeah. yeah. And you're not even violent offenders. You're just out after... Yeah. You're know, just in the park. Yeah. That's it. They also were pulling into the Sally Port uh, with the ignitions still running. Oh. On the vehicles. Oh, that's why. Nice. Yeah, while he's right there, so uh-huh. we got you know yeah, get, a little get carbon, you too, yeah, yeah, a little carbon monoxide. But you're there, you and your friend are there, and you're cleaning up the park, and I'm there, and I walk all the way back home, and no one says a word to me. Uh, and never, not once during those protests did we bust a window, mm-hmm. did we set anything on fire, did we do anything destructive. We pretty much, pretty much like everyone else was documenting what was going on. Yeah. It was pretty much in shock this was going on and, you know, watching the things happen. So Very unfair treatment. Yeah. Unusual. Yeah. Un, un, unusual. Oh, for I mean, for a curfew. For a curfew. For a fucking curfew. Yeah, for curfew. Give me a break. Yeah. And this guy can just keep walking by. I mean. Yeah. yeah, because I remember Wednesday night. Wednesday when we were there, that was the day with the militia. Thursday, I was out there again, and it was maybe 25 of us. And that's when I felt like what happened uh, on Sheridan Road with Kyle Rittenhouse and with, with those people, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum, losing their lives. I knew that it made people afraid because you didn't have nearly the crowd that you had Wednesday night. And then Friday night, which turned into Saturday morning, we were there three hours just picking up uh, debris and litter in a park. So I got to ask, the issues we have in our country, it's nothing new. This stuff's been going on, you know, for all our lives. In your opinion, has the movement really grown in 2020 or is it just because the recent events have hit so close to home? I think that the movement grown in 2020 I think that um why do you think that is what what happened to George Floyd the George Floyd homicide was it was it was blatant yeah I think the other side started to see that it wasn't just black people pulling a race car or saying that we being killed because we're black or you know I think non-blacks started to see it. And just think of the world that we live in. Who doesn't have a friend of the opposite race? Who don't, who doesn't have a white friend or who doesn't have a black friend or who doesn't have a Hispanic friend or who doesn't have a, a Muslim friend or a Jewish friend or a, a homosexual friend or, you know, this is the world we live in. Yeah. 
So all of us and our kids, you know, we are a democracy. We what our democracy look like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's a small pocket of people that don't that, yeah. that don't get that, don't have that, who don't teach their kids that it's OK to play with black kids at school. Yeah. Or it's okay, you know, to have a sleepover and invite one of your black friends over, yeah. you know. Or don't tr- pick on the gay kid at school. Or don't pick on the, the gay kid at school, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think everybody. So when that happened, yeah, yeah, people saw it happen to a black man, but people saw it as it, it happened to one of their friends yeah, or somebody they know. I think people admitting that there is a problem, I think that's what we see more in 2020. And I think everybody watch the news like we watch the news and they get tired of it. And it's, you know, it's um, it's tragic to them as well. So the movement has like a name now, Black Lives Matter. Um, What does that mean to you? I don't think many people know that. Black Lives Matter is a is an organization. Black Lives Matter, what it means to me is what I think about is George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Breonna Taylor, Stephon Clark, Alvin Cole. It, it absolutely does mean something. When I'm out and you hear me saying Black Lives Matter, I say that to the to the people that don't understand that. Yeah, we could we could move forward with the conversation as long as people understand that just black people matter, too. It's kind of kind of I don't know if I could swear. You oh, can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. It's kind of it's kind of yeah. fucked up. You yes, know? it is. That we got to be having this same conversation about these same things that the people was talking about in the 60s. Yeah. You know, we out here for a reason and this is serious and we want our voices to be heard and we doing it in a nonviolent manner. Mm-hmm. It's easy to wear a T-shirt to just say it. It don't it don't mean that any of those things that conspiracy theorists would suggest. Yeah. Just because you say black lives matter. It only means that you're empathetic to yeah. to. Mm-hmm what's going on in a, in America and you don't think it's right. So, yeah. You were talking about the protest and I want to ask you if you saw anything about the agitators that were spoken of, cause you were there most every night. I, I was there. I was actually there every night. I was there, um, the night that Kyle Rittenhouse committed those crimes. They alleged them to, uh, commit. I say that because he ain't been, found guilty or anything yet to to be honest i haven't really slept since you know my my nights of sleep is maybe like two hours solid and when i do sleep is uh i hear that noise you know i hear that high pitch noise that they use to try to get the protesters away I see the uh, flashbangs, you know, I see the uh, canisters of gas. I see the people getting shot with the rubber bullets. I see the people standing there with their hands up getting shot. I see the medical tent getting shot with rubber bullets. That night was definitely different. And I never heard of a, um, a homicide investigation where 
where the police don't ask the people who were there what happened. Mm -hmm. They yeah. still never asked us what happened. Wow. We told them that we were there. Yeah. The people, you know, usually they tape off a crime scene and all that. You know, the witnesses, none really, none of that. They've yet to publicly ask people to come forward if they knew anything, you know, yeah. because, because... Well, the second shooting they have on pretty good tape yeah. like that but the whole questions are in the first shooting whatever yeah. happened there that's where the like many of the questions are yeah i was uh maybe i want to say 30 40 feet maybe wow. away from the first shooting oh. i was actually right by kenosha hospital you know where on 63rd where the emergency room entrance is mm -hmm. the, where the first shooting took place which was directly across, and and I saw it in slow motion. Wow! Like I still every night I still see it, and, you know, and I don't think it'll ever go away. I think I'll see it for the rest of my life. We also, um, me and my partner uh, Nick Dennis, we also helped put him into the vehicle that was across by the emergency room, and we we saw. And I don't, you know, I don't know. If you know, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to be disrespectful to the mm -hmm. to the family. You know. Yeah. Can you it, share what you saw at the first shooting? Yeah. Before the shooting, we when we was first getting pushed out of the the park. When we first started getting pushed out of the park by law enforcement and uh, uh, tanks, whatever you call those damn things, bearcats, barracudas, whatever, yeah. they were pushing us south down Sheridan Road. And when we first got a little bit past Ruther, I want to say 59th right there, Yeah, is the first time that we saw the guys up on the roof. But earlier that day, let me rewind. Okay. Let me rewind. Okay. rewind. Yeah. Please do. I'm going to rewind. Earlier that day, <laughs> I got to Civics Park that day, maybe about 3 o'clock, and you saw that they were there. The militia was there that entire day. You know, they were uh, pretty much sitting on the steps of the um, school, sitting in the park, on the benches, you know, in different places. And I think they were um, being intimidating. The difference between that night is that there was no National Guard surrounding the courthouse. There was no law enforcement outside oh, the courthouse oh, yeah. as it started to get dark and the curfew started to approach. Mm -hmm. The people marching and the, the protesters, once they went towards the courthouse, you know, uh, what, what made the people go towards the courthouse was seeing these laser beams as it started to get dark. We started to see um, laser beams. Oh, like the scopes? Pointed. Yeah, we started to see laser beams being pointed from um, the top of Ruther um, High School, from um, the top of the courthouse. And, you know, that drew the protesters over towards the, the fence. They basically used the courthouse as a fortress because all the law enforcement, they started to shoot the people from outside of the courthouse with the uh, rubber bullets. Uh -huh. And um, gas canisters and things of that nature. Wow. And when they did come out the, from outside the courthouse or wherever the hell they were, 
they came out pretty aggressive. And, and when I say that they pushed the people that way, that's because they came out on 56 east of uh, Sheridan Road there mm-hmm. a little bit. So they surrounded the courthouse and it was a large number of them on foot that were on 56th Street. And then you had the guys coming in the armored vehicles that were shooting the people directly mm-hmm. with the, you know, so I witnessed, I, I witnessed people get shot with those things, been shot with Did you with get shot them. by a rubber bullet yeah. at all? Yeah. Uh, pepper, pepper balls, rubber bullets. They had a, mm-hmm. it was different things they were shooting people with. Mm-hmm. But I, I had a fear of getting shot in the face. And so they cut off the perimeter for the people instead of the people being able to go east. Only thing you could do is go south because west of Sheridan Road, a couple blocks down, they had to, you know, they had. At the viaduct, they had shut down there. They had, you know, law enforcement down that way. So the only way you really could go is back towards 60th Street. Mm. That's when you saw the gas station on 60th Street there. That's when I ain't know that. I ain't know what the hell it was. I thought it was something from that you would see in a in a war movie or a right. war documentary, like from from Iraq, <laughs> you know, like a, from a terrorist video, <laughs> you know. When we saw that crowd at the gas station, that was the second time that the crowd pretty much got pushed back from um, Civics Park. I believe. If they would have allowed the people to uh, protest in Civics Park, yeah, none of that shit yeah. would have happened. I totally agree. None of the shit. Because all they wanted to do was have a place to just release some yeah. energy to protest that day. And as long as you let them do it there, nothing else would have spilled over. Mm-hmm. But because we was pushed back, me and my, uh, me and my partner, Nick, we knew we saw we saw the people start to you know ask the the militia you know why do they why do they got guns and you know and most of them were saying hey we we support you guys and and the, the you know the protesters was like well why don't you you know march with us like mm-hmm. we not we not here to tear nothing up yeah. and that night was the night that it wasn't no crap going on. Yeah, yeah. There's no fires or no, like that. It, it was all those no, after it was, it was just, done. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of stood back because I had the feeling that all of those guys who was gonna raise their guns and just fire on a crowd. That was the feeling that I had. It didn't. It wasn't a good feeling. It was like, whoa, scary. Yeah. What the fuck? You didn't know how real shit was. They also had cut off 60th Street, maybe down by the PO office. So there was no way if you go that way, you know, what pretty much was going to happen. They, you know, yeah, probably do something to you. I remember after that, you know, a, a group of guys walking towards 63rd South from, you know, that commotion that you see on the footage, you know. Mm-hmm. There were a couple guys that kind of wandered away from the crowd and they started to uh 
bust some windows on that car lot that was right oh, there. Yeah. I mean, the cars were pretty much already um, damaged, you know. Yeah. And as I'm walking from my peripheral vision, you know, I remember seeing the gun. The gun is what stuck out. Just that he had the gun? The fact that he had a gun and what was he doing three blocks down from where the rest of the majority of the militia was. Yeah. Nobody was marching with us with an AR-15. And once I saw him turn around with the swing the gun around, I thought I would be shot. I thought whatever is about to happen is not going to be good. There was a um, security guard who was um, standing at the emergency room entrance who must have been a a security guy for the hospital. Oh, okay. And as I'm walking, I kind of give him that look. He kind of give me that (laughs) look because he's seeing what, you know, what's unfolding too. And something in my mind told me that this guy wouldn't mind if I perhaps ran behind it, where the hell he was at, you know? It was like, as soon as I gave him that eye contact, it happened where we ran behind the wall that says Kenosha Hospital right there. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, and was telling the people to run behind the wall because... When the shots were ringing out? Yeah, when the shots was ringing out. But yet at the same time, it was more. It was it was more. It was more than his shots. Because after his shots stopped and, you know, he ran back north... There were shots on 10th Avenue. The you know after we helped uh, Mr. Uh, Rosenbaum get put in a um, vehicle, and a guy, that same security guy that was standing there, took him into the emergency room, drove him back. We started to go towards 10th Avenue. It was a crowd being ran back on 63rd and 10th there, mm-hmm. and you hear this random shooting. So it it was a lot it was a lot of shooting going on that night, <laughs> and that's that's what stick out with us because if it, it felt like every time we tried to go a, a certain direction, it was more shooting, and you just didn't know where the hell yeah. it was coming from. Or so it's pretty scary. We um had the thought that we probably would lose our life that night. Mm-hmm. That it was some active shooter that was out there um, just randomly. Yeah. And after what happened with the first shooting, you know, we thought that maybe... They're all going to start up. A, and He's mm-hmm. running around all the shooting. In my mind, I'm thinking that it's the same shooter. Yeah. You know, so I'm not... Knowing what I know now, what happened down the street, well, we also know that it was other people on the other block, man. Okay. This is all going on. Everything's going crazy. You're, I'm assuming you're hightailing it out of there as fast as you can. Would, would you just go home? I mean, what, what do you do after something like that happens? Um, That night, I did nothing. Yeah. And that's, that's rare. That's rare for me to do nothing. Yeah. And what I mean by I did nothing, that means when I got in the house, I didn't eat. I didn't drink anything. I didn't uh, turn on the TV. I didn't um, talk to my girlfriend. 
I ain't say nothing. I ain't pick up the phone. I ain't check my messages. I ain't take my clothes off. I ain't do anything. I lay straight in the bed. Were you just in shock? Yeah, it was, it was, I was, it, it broke my heart. It, it really, it really, and to this day, like it, um, it bothers me. Yeah. It bothered me to, um, in a manner that, uh, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum lost their lives and the other guy, you know, it bothers me. Yeah. It bothered me. It bothered me that night. There's nothing funny about it. There's nothing entertaining about it. Everybody, everybody lost. And to feel like you're doing something good, to feel like that you, you know, you're doing a good thing, you're doing it for a good cause with good intent, it sucks the um, air out of you. It'll knock you down because we talking about human beings. Life, that color shit don't mean nothing. Yeah, it don't mean nothing. We somebody lost their life. Mm -hmm. Somebody lost a somebody lost a friend. Somebody lost a kid. Mm -hmm. Somebody, and that could have been any one of us. What's the end game for this movement? What has happened for you to be able to sit back and say, "Okay, we're good." My my um end game is. When the good Lord called my name to come home, and that's my end game in this fight. When I go on to green pastures, when I when I die, so I understand what I'm fighting for, what we fighting for. Yeah, that uh, I don't expect it to happen overnight. I don't even expect it to happen in my lifetime. It seems like we're not going in the right direction. At least we weren't, you know, in the last four years. Uh, I think that's a shame. Again, I think that's fucked up. Yeah. That we should, here we are, the last four years, that the racial tensions is so high. And we shouldn't have to come outside feeling like we're preparing for Armageddon. Yeah. None of us, no no matter, you know, who you are. I, I often tell people that uh, Martin Luther King, he had a dream, he had a vision who the hell are we to tear that vision down? Yeah. Something that he lost his life for, for us to be able to have these conversations that we having, for our kids to be able to drink out of the same damn water fountain and go to school and sit on the bus together yeah. and be friends and play Xbox together <laughs> and go on camping trips and be brothers and call each other brothers. Yeah. Play basketball together on the same team. You know, play sports. Yeah. You know, 50 years later, for someone to come along and to to unravel that, or to attempt to yeah. unravel that, it brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. It hurt. And some of us know that that side of America always existed. It never went away. Yeah. But when you have a leader that don't condemn it, then that's a problem that hurts. Mm -hmm. We're patriots, too. Yeah. We shouldn't have to feel like that we're not a part of this country or we shouldn't have to be left out of the, the, the conversation or made to feel like our leader won't protect us. That he won't 
he won't say Black Lives Matter. So what can people do to get actively involved and improve their community on a large scale or a small scale? What can people do? It ain't no big and small in this line of work. Yeah. So if if I'm out, if I if I protest, if I'm on a bullhorn with the loudest mouth and you just a you know, and you just someone that donate to the cause, it's all a part. Everybody count, everything count, you know. So what I would suggest and recommend, one thing people could do is they could educate people and inform people on civil disobedience. And everybody don't have to practice civil disobedience. But why do people practice civil disobedience? Mm-hmm. You know, if people understood that it's okay, yeah, that it's okay to do what we do, to have a freedom of speech, to speak out about things that we're against openly, to speak out about government openly, one last question. Then we're going to take a little break. All right. So I've been to some of the protests. So was, I'm there for like an hour or two. You know, I kind of come. I leave. You're out there day and night walking the streets at the park. Where do you poop? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I just never had to do it. I never had to No, I never <laughs> had to do it. But what's funny is um, I had to go number one. Every time we do these things, and it's like, you know, I gotta <laughs> yeah, find some, yeah. Or something. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back for a little more upbeat stuff here with Varnell Patterson. Right. Hey, guys, this is Jason. I'm not here to push one single local business on you like we usually do. Right now, I'm gonna push all the local businesses on you. And this holiday season, I'm encouraging you, no, I'm imploring you to shop local. 2020 was a hell of a year. I mean, we had nationwide problems. We also had some severe local problems as well. Our local businesses need your support. So this holiday season, instead of clicking on the cart on your phone to support some huge corporation that might not even be located in America, put on your mask and get down to some of your local places and pick up some gifts for your family and your friends. So my personal ideas are, I'm going to have one of our local florists ship flowers the week before Christmas to some of my family. Do you have that person on your shopping list that loves a good beer? Well, we have a few great breweries in town that sell beer to go. Some of our shops have some great gift baskets already ready. You just have to walk in there. It's all picked out, ready to go. Pick up the basket, and there's your gift. We also have some great restaurants in town. Stop in and pick up a gift certificate. Treat them to dinner. Stop by your local watering hole and pick up a bunch of drink chips and give them out to your friends. Whatever you do, avoid clicking that cart on your phone. Shop local this holiday season. Support local, shop local. They need your support now more than ever before. Got any other great ideas on how to support local this holiday season? Drop us a line at ktownconnects at yahoo.com. All right, and we're back here at K-Town Connects. We are speaking with Barnell Patterson, and we <laughs> got pretty deep there, not Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Some good stuff right there. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Barnell. Yeah, appreciate you sharing with us, man. You're welcome. Um, so now we're going to try a little more fun here. We're going light, to lighten the mood up a little bit. We're going to give you some uh, quick, our quick connections here. We're going to get to know Varnell a little bit on a personal level with these 
Quick connect questions. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. What is your favorite park in Kenosha? My favorite park is Lincoln Park. Ooh, Lincoln Park. That's a beautiful park. The flower bed and everything. Yep. I actually, my park that uh, was closer to my neighborhood was Columbus Park. And that was before the basketball rooms was taken away in Frank School. But uh, Lincoln Park, hands down. Yeah. Cool. Favorite pizza place in Kenosha? Favorite pizza place is Pa's Pizzeria. Ooh, that's a great place. I had Paws in forever, and I used to love it when I was a, when I was a kid. Yeah, I drove by yeah, there today, and I was like, man, I gotta try Paws Pizza <laughs> sooner than later. It's been yeah. it's been a long time. I've been going there since the '80s, and I still remember the smell. All right, when Kenosha has events, what's your favorite event to attend? Uh, the my favorite event to attend in Kenosha is um. Probably uh, the fireworks. Ah, that's fun. That's the fun. fireworks is a is day where you see everybody out in Kenosha. <laughs> yep. The, you get to see the people and the families, and so the fireworks is. Some of them come out there at sunrise and set up their spot and reserve their little yeah, spot. That's, that's <laughs> Fourth of July in yeah. Kenosha. Down on the lake is yeah. beautiful. All right. If you could be a superhero, what superhero would you be, and why? If I could be a superhero, I'd definitely be Superman. Yeah, you can do everything. I do. I'd be Superman um, for everything that Superman <laughs> able to to do. Fly, that save X, the that, world. That X-ray vision. X-ray vision. <laughs> see through things. Get some transparency. There you go. All right. Now, who do you look up to professionally? It could be a real person or a fictional. I like. Uh, I like LeBron James. Hmm. I like um, I like what he stands for. I like that he speak up on our social issues. And growing up being a Michael Jordan fan, Michael Jordan didn't speak up on social issues. I think LeBron James used his his star power to spread the word and to spread awareness. You know, him being a a, a young black male, I think. He relate like me to the things that we see um, being done to uh, black men in America. All right, next question then: Who's the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. There we go. Good, <laughs> good. All right, uh, what is your most used emoji? Probably the heart. Oh, there you go. All right, favorite movie of all time? <laughs> oh, only one. <laughs> you can give us a few. Okay, uh, Goodfellas. Mm. Um, we were soldiers. The color purple. Roots. Which version of Roots? The original version. Seventies on yeah, yeah, the original okay. um, version. And I'll give you one more movie because I'm I'm a movie buff, and that would probably be The Passion of the Christ. Oh, okay. Oh. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, <laughs> Tennessee whiskey. Oh, but I ain't the I ain't the best. I need so- something slow. What is your favorite junk food? Favorite junk food is Snickers. Ooh, I just had one of those today. Snickers. It's great, great. All right, last question: Big Star or the Spot? Big Star. Big Star is seasonal. 
Yeah. Special you know, that it's way, right? Special. Yep. You wait till you wait till the weather come around and then you know it's gonna end mm-hmm. uh, after you know Labor Day weekend. So you get there. What, um, what do you order when you order Big Spot? I, I always order the the same thing. I order uh I order double cheeseburger. Oh yeah, me too. Onion rings Ooh. and root beer float. Oh, oh that root beer float is so good, Amazing. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what's up next here, Jason? It's time for trivia. Ooh, you ready, Varnell? Trivia is brought go. to us by who, Donnie? Brought to you by Coming Up Roses Cleaning and Organizing. They are a fully insured cleaning and organizing company. They will keep your home or office clean without judgment or hassle. They are a locally owned business fighting the good battle by supporting local. Check them out by giving them a call at 262-748-6978 or shoot them an email at comingupposescleaningkino at gmail.com and look them up on Facebook. All right, here's our trivia brought to you by Coming Up Roses. We're going to pit our guest against Donnie. Uh-oh. And we're going to test their knowledge. Ooh. So I got five questions for each of you. The subject here is Chicago sports. Bernal, you're a big fan of all the teams down uh, there? To be clear, I am a Chicago Bulls, Cubs, and Blackhawks fan. Right. So I'm not a White Sox fan. Okay. See, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan as well. Well, you know what? I didn't even include the White Sox because I, I don't even count them <laughs> they in. They don't really, really exist. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me if this person is a Cub, a Bear, a Bull, or a Blackhawk. Oh. All right. Bernal, we're going to start with you. Ron Harper. Chicago Bull. You're right. He was there from 94 to 99. Yep, won those championships. Donnie. Didn't Joe, he replace B.J. Armstrong after that first three? Yeah, yep. After the first three, you're right. Absolutely right. Donnie. Oh, go ahead. Jody Davis. Jody Davis. Jody Davis. Chicago Cubs. You're right. Throughout the whole 80s, 81 to 1990. All right, 1-1. Right now, Dan Hampton. Chicago Bear. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> Hall of Fame Chicago. He's bear. the only Bear who declined an invitation to be on the Super Bowl shuffle. Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were gonna say yeah. the only Chicago Bear who declined to be on the K Town the next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, we got. Uh, everyone's getting these right here. Donnie. Mm-hmm. Rusty Larue. Rusty Larue. Larue. Cub, Bear, Bull, or Blackhawk? Blackhawk. It's a cub, isn't it? No, he's the Bulls. Dang it. Three years, 97 to 2000. Ah, those were the, the down years. All right, Varnell, <laughs> you got the lead here. Number three, Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith, Chicago Blackhawks. Yes, you're right. Since 2005, he's been mm. there forever. Varnell's leading three to one. Oh, boy. Donnie, here we go. Roger Hornsby. Roger Hornsby. Roger Hornsby. Cub, bear, bull, or blackhawk? Bull? No. He was a cub. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man, your favorite Fuck. team. Back from 1929 to 1932. <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> he was an MVP, though, in 1929. Oh, so he's know. not just some nobody. Yeah, you're right. You know, I'm picking some names out here. Okay. All right, you're getting smoked here. Did you know that one, Varno? I'm, I'm familiar with okay. it, yes. Whoa, okay. All right, number four, Pat Manley. Pat Manley. Cub, bear, bull, or blackhawk? Blackhawk. Sorry, that's your first one wrong. He was a bear. See, I would have went blackhawk as well. He, from 88 to 
1998 to 2013, he was the longest bear ever. Wow. 16 seasons he played with him. Very so. forgettable. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> with with the helmet on. How yeah. yeah. Recognize him. Well, a lot of the like, offensive linemen, you don't know who they right. are. Right. Okay, Donnie, here All we right. go. Let's, let's see if I can get one more. Yeah, if you win these and he loses them, you can tie <laughs> You're down three to one right now. Question number four. Steve Larmer. Steve Larmer. Cub, Bear, Bull, or Blackhawk? Blackhawk? You're right. Hey, that was a lucky <laughs> guess. He was a two-time All-Star oh. from between 81 and 93. Oh. Right, we've got a game here. Three to two. Ooh, it's getting intense in here. Varnell. Artis Gilmore. Chicago Bull. You're center. right. Mm. You're right. For From 76 to 82, and then oh. back in from 87 to 88. Wow. Arnell, you're up 4-2-2. Two, two. Donnie, here's one more. See if you can just get one more here. <laughs> All right, let's see. George Connor. George Connor. Cub, bull, bear, or Blackhawk? Bull. <laughs> you're wrong. He's a bear from 1948 to 1955. See, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really a Packer fan. Arnell, <laughs> <laughs> you win. You win a bottle of our wonderful water to take home with you as your prize. And... Uh, <clears throat> Congratulations. Your Chicago trivial knowledge is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Who's your favorite cub of all time? My favorite cub of all time is Andre Dawson. Oh, the Hawk. The Hawk. He was I, a great yeah. player. Yeah. I met him a few years ago. He was at the Kingfish game. He did an autograph really? signing. I got a ball signed by him. Oh, really? Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was very nice, too. He, he wasn't getting pictures taken. He'd just get the ball, but I snuck over, and I kind of put my arm around him. Yeah. And he, he allowed my friend to take a picture. It's, wow. He, he was That's a super cool. nice guy. All right, well, that about does it for K-Town Connects. I'd like to thank Varnell very much for coming in, man. Thank great. you, Varnell. Thank you. And uh, I guess... Find us on social media, hit us up, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. K-Town and, Connects at yahoo.com, all that other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, and then don't forget our great sponsors, Luigi's Pizza Kitchen, Bluehorn Digital, The Lettering Machine, Bird of Paradox Studio, Lulu Birds, and Coming Up Roses Cleaning. Support local. That's what we're all about here. All right. And but, what else are we doing here? Uh, we are connecting Kenosha. We'll see you next time. I'm from Kenosha, I say Kenosha, that great big busy town, right in the middle of the USA, between the New York Harbor and the San Francisco Bay. episode is brought to you by Lulu Birds, a home furnishing and gift shop located in downtown Kenosha at 720 58th Street. From carefully selected vintage items to refurbished furniture to locally produced crafts, Lulu Birds has you covered on specialty gifts for yourself and your loved ones. They blend the old with the new to bring out your distinctive personality. With the holidays fast approaching, be sure to make Lulu Birds an essential visit on your shopping trip. They recently expanded and now have even more unique items. 
Stop in Wednesdays through Sundays to find that unique item you need in your life. Be sure to like them on Facebook and keep an eye on what's new. That's Lulu Birds, 720 58th Street in beautiful downtown Kenosha.